You're listening to an episode of a Wondery Plus exclusive series. To continue listening, join Wondery Plus and enjoy ad-free listening to over 40,000 episodes, early access to your favorite podcasts, and more. Find Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Hello, everybody. I want to tell you a story about a cheetah named Tabitha. Tabitha lives in a cage at the zoo. When visitors come to see her, the zookeeper lets her out to play. And for the amusement of the park visitors, Tabitha chases after a stuffed bunny. When the show is done, the zookeeper throws her a stake as a reward. One day, while she's devouring that stake, a little girl asks if Tabitha misses running free in the wild. The zookeeper responds... This cheetah was born into captivity. This is all she knows. But the little girl walks by her cage later in the day. And she notices that when Tabitha's not doing tricks for all the visitors, she's pacing inside her cage. Her eyes look wild. And she looks stronger. Because deep inside, Tabitha does know what it's like to run wild. Do all of us have that same wild spark inside of us? Because no matter where or how we were born, we all have inside of us the will to be free. Running away from life is hard to do. Especially when there's nothing else for you. From Wondery, this is Say Yes with Carla Hall. Every week on this podcast, I'm going to talk to people about how they have evolved in their lives. And what happens when they say yes, even when it means turning your whole life upside down? That story about the cheetah is from the beginning of a new best-selling memoir, Untamed, by the incredible writer and my guest this week, Glennon Doyle. She's also the author of two other bestsellers, Carry On Warrior and Love Warrior. Now, Glennon's first two books chronicled her recovery after years of bulimia and alcoholism and her relationship with her husband, Craig, after he admitted to cheating on her. But a few years back, Glennon had a big announcement for the world. She had fallen madly in love with Abby Wambach. Yes, that Abby Wambach. Olympic gold medal soccer player Abby Wambach. Glennon made the controversial decision to separate from Craig and marry Abby. It was a huge life transition. But for those who've read Glennon's writings before, it was also an affirmation of everything she's advocated for all along, breaking gender and social rules in order to listen to and trust your own heart. That's what her book, Untamed, is all about. Glennon says in Untamed that she was like that cheetah. Right, and this book, I mean, Oprah had just picked it for a book club. There was a lot of people involved and invested in the success of the book, right? So I'll never forget sitting at a big table full of fancy people and having one of them turn to me and say, you can do this, but just know that it will be career suicide. So that was scary. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got rocket money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Can you hear me now? Okay, so the interesting thing is that I was just on mute. Okay, this is Abby. So really the whole problem was just that I was on mute. Hi, Abby. You're going to have to scoot this way. All right. This is the story of our quarantine, by the way. Yeah. Awesome. You can hear them in your ears, right? I can. Right. Thank you, babe. You're being, you're doing it. I'm doing it. I'm always doing it. You're one doing way or it. another. I'm we doing it. We love you guys. Thank you for doing this. Oh, I'm super excited. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, babe. God bless her. I'm ready. So Glennon, this is a perfect place to start because about a week ago, Abby says to you, how do you need me? And I mean, emotionally. <laughs> and you said, this is what it's like to be married to a woman. I mean, that's right. The middle of the workday, I was in between meetings and she walked in and said, I need to ask you something. I was assuming she didn't know where the keys were or something. And she said, I just need you to tell me, how do you need me? I need to know. I need you to give me a list. Think about it and then give me a list of the ways that you need me more than anyone else. And of course, my first my first um, thought was, well, I need you to help me get on the Zoom meetings. <laughs> That's my, <laughs> that is my deepest need during this quarantine time is for technological help. And so that's why she jumped in immediately and said, not for tech. I'm not talking about for tech. Right, right. But yeah, it's just an ongoing, never-ending conversation is what being married to a woman is like. We just start as soon as we wake up and then we only take a break to sleep. Do you think that's a woman or female energy or are you all just on another plane in terms of doing that self-work? Well, I think it is a woman thing, but I also think it's a, we're both deeply introspective. We both have this wild spiritual seeker kind of personality and we're both sober. So we have nothing else to do. I think that plays a role in it too. That's that's the most exciting thing we do each day is like <laughs> try to try to have some kind of emotional or spiritual breakthrough. I don't know. That's all we've got left. No, I love that. But you're also so even on Instagram, you are so transparent with your feelings. I mean, you re- you recently posted this message and you said, "Don't you love it when people can go back in your life on social media?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, "Okay, this is what you said." <laughs> Scares me actually. What did I say? Oh God! You you had this message about that you're feeling the kind of numbness that becomes meanness, and you said that becomes meanness, and you said I have forgotten the structure, the way of things. I want something to change. The closest feeling I have access to is what claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes so much like a presence of mind to recognize those feelings. And what do you do to counter it? Well, right now, I don't know. I mean, in the beginning, I've had so many different feelings about this time. I mean, in the beginning, I'm good in a crisis. You know, I've lived a lot of my life in a crisis. 
So that's kind of when I can come through. So in the beginning of this, I was feeling like, oh, I can help. I can show up in service. I'm, I've anxiety. I've dealt with anxiety my whole life. I know how to help people, you know, be afraid and keep showing up and I can do this. And then it just started to get like, oh, we're not trying to get through a time. We're just like in a new time that sucks. Like I, <laughs> when, when is the light at the end of the tunnel? And then, and then the ups and downs, I think for the middle part was a lot of highs and lows. I'd feel hopeful and then feel depressed. And that is also a place I'm used to. This place feels very numb. Like I am not feeling highs or lows anymore. I'm just kind of um, walking through the day, I guess what I wrote, having sort of lost the point. And that numbness, I think, is scary, especially for people who have suffered with mental health their, their whole life. Like I don't know anymore what is in an impending depressive episode or what is just living in an extremely depressing world. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right, right, right. Like, <laughs> like, what's the difference? Like, where where do I end and the world begins? Or what is this? Is this me? Is everybody feeling this way? Yes. Yeah. It's the question I've been asking my whole life. It's like, is it me or is it you, world? Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You said something like in terms of that you're great in a crisis. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that, you know, as what people think is manic and joyful as I am, I actually am really great in an emergency. I actually slow down and I can see, I see things. And I remember when I was in Kansas city and I was in an airport waiting for a flight and a tornado was coming in and that there's somebody, somebody came in, everybody get in the bathroom, everybody get in the bathroom. And then people were like, ah, I'm like, I looked over this lady. I said, okay, we're going to slow down. We're going to walk to the bathroom. I'm literally telling people like just other people in the area, we're going to walk to the bathroom and you're fine. And I'm, I started, I started t- shuffling these people and we got to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, you all call your family members. I called my husband. I'm in the bathroom. There's a tornado, you know, and I just slowed down. I relate to that so much. The slowing down is what happens to me too. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple theories about that. I'm sure neither of them are true. <laughs> First <one is. laughs> That's all I have is a shit ton of theories about everything. But I, one is, I wonder, I have no idea what your childhood is, was like, but I grew up a little bit of chaos and anxiety in my family. And there is a theory that whatever the status was, the main line status of your childhood is where you feel most comfortable. Mm. So if that was a very you know loving, peaceful place, then that's where you will feel most comfortable and I find it interesting for me because I do tend to, when there's a huge change or big chaos or a big problem, that's always when people know to count on me, mm-hmm. right? I'm a good first responder. Even in friendships, like yes. my friends know to come to me in crisis, but they sure as hell know I'm not going to call them on their birthday. I'm not going to call them for coffee. I'm, they, they might see me every four years, <laughs> right? <laughs> when, they're, when this shit hits the fan, but, but I am the one they'll call then but they also know they can't really count on me for the in-between year. So that's one theory. And the other one is I feel like a bit of a chicken little, like when you, when you live with depression and anxiety your whole life, 
you're kind of always feeling like the world's going to fall apart and everyone else is annoying when they tell you to stop worrying. Mm -hmm. So when it actually happens, like when you're chicken little and then the sky actually falls, you're kind of like, how you like me now? Right. See, 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 I told you all this was going to go down and now you're looking to me. So yeah, I have a couple of different theories about that, but it's real. The slowing down and how some people are more comfortable in the chaos. And and I don't know about you, but sometimes when things get a little bit too comfortable or the same, or I get a little... Ugh. Oh, oh my gosh. Me too. Well, I'm like the adventurer. I'm always changing, looking for the next thing. I mean, mm. that's my whole thing. You know, I am yes and all the way my entire life. Okay. So tell me what are the challenges that come with being like that? Cause that sounds very exciting and, and wonderful. And, and, and also must be very helpful since the only thing that stays the same is change. Right. I embrace change. I'm good with, cha- I'm good with last minute. I'm good with mm-hmm. uh, all these things. But the thing is I'm always looking for the happy. I'm always yes. looking for the joy. And so I have to sort of slow down and think about what am I actually stealing? Like Mm -hmm. what makes me uncomfortable and I have to intentionally go there and sit in that, which is very hard for me. Interesting. Okay. Is there, because Abby and I talk about this all the time with, with looking for the happy. So if you are always searching for the thing, when you find the thing, are you able to enjoy it or is everything just a chase for the next thing? Is that the is that one of the challenges? Because Abby and I are always trying to figure out how do we stop wanting things? Like whether it's like the next thing that we want to buy or the next thing we want to achieve or the next, you know, project we want to do, like this desire for the next thing is always Mm -hmm. keeping us from happiness right now. No, actually I can sit in that thing and enjoy it. I, I can, I can sit in it. I'm borderline introvert, extrovert. So because of that, the extrovert side really mm-hmm. like, like what's next? I'm an over order. I'm like, yes. And I want this. And it's not, or it's, and the introvert side has to come in and slow down. I love slow movies. I love puzzles. I love anything that slows me down so I can mm-hmm. just be. So that's that balance for me. Yep. You know? Yep. I get that. I have to say, thinking about your book, Untamed. It's the kind of book that I feel like you make notes in the margins. And I am not one to write in my books. I I really like pristine books. However, there are a few books that I do write in, but when I write in them in a book like this, I write the date. Because when I reread it, I want to come back and see where I was, almost like a journal where I was. I love that. I need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you read things so differently at different points in your life Mm -hmm. and things make sense to you. And and then you read them again and you're like, what was I seeing in that? Or vice versa. That's such a cool idea. Right. But I mean, I have never been so excited and felt such a confirmation to share my personal mantra. And which is the basis of the show, by the way, say yes, adventure follows then growth until now and talking to you because it just fits the subject of your book so well. I mean, you literally said yes to a marriage proposal. (laughs) 
<laughs> God, yes. Before anything was figured out, before I was totally ready, before anybody else was comfortable with it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in making such a huge change these past few years, okay, a divorce, a new marriage with Abby, building a new family, what has been the scariest thing that you had to do? And that may be hard to answer, but no, it's not hard actually. You know, I think that when when people ask me that, they assume that that it would be, you know, going really public or, you know, I had to announce my I didn't have to. I announced my separation and divorce a couple weeks before the release of Love Warrior, which was being touted all over the world as an epic marriage redemption story. So, you know, I was told by every professional person in my life that the whole Abby deal would be the end of my career because back then I was had a very large faith-based audience for one, but second, because much of my career was built upon my mostly traditional family and this sort of book that was supposed to be about saving your marriage. And here I was leaving it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a couple right. weeks before this, right? And this book, I mean, Oprah had just picked it for a book club. It was like, there was a lot of people involved and invested in the success of the book, right? So it was, I'll never forget sitting at a big table full of fancy people and having one of them turn to me and say, you can do this, but just know that it will be career suicide. So that was scary. But more than all of that was scariest, which is so interesting when you think about what cages women the most, right? Was telling my kids, Mm. you know, I was just, well, I'd call it tamed now, which just really means conditioned, right? Socially conditioned Mm -hmm. to really believe that a mom's job is to just slowly die for her kids, right? Mm -hmm. That like, that I did not have a right as a mother, that I lost my right when I had children to continue to have a life, to continue to have desire and feelings and dreams and to be alive, you know? So I really did almost say no to my chance at at love and life and happiness because I was so afraid of hurting my children. And then one day I was watching Tish, my middle child, get ready. I think she was probably about nine at the time. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I am staying in this marriage for her, but would I want this marriage for her? And if I would not want this marriage for my little girl, then why am I modeling bad love and calling that good mothering? Right? So, and the reason why is because it's, the reason why is as obvious and, and old as time. It's because I had allowed myself to be conditioned to believe what what women are always conditioned to believe in any arena of their life, that their job is to slowly disappear. Mm -hmm. And we have this idea that a good mother is a martyr. Yes. The martyr mother. I mean, this legacy mothers have been passing down to their children since the beginning of time is such a burden. Oh, right. 100%. 100%. When I looked at Abby and felt and heard that voice inside of me that recognized her, that, that knew that this was the life and the person for me, that was a voice I had been learning to listen to since the day I got sober. Mm-hmm. So that was the voice inside of me, the self that I had learned to um, ignore from the time I was 10 years old. I became an addict when I was 10 years old and I didn't get sober till I was 25. And the day I got sober, 
is the day I started uncovering that. So they call it recovery, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're recovering that real self that you were before you allowed the world to shame you into believing you had to numb all of that stuff about yourself. So for me, my entire life from the moment I was 25 till that moment I looked at Abby, the reason I could trust that voice is because I had been practicing since I got sober. I had started learning how to trust myself. That is why only women who, humans, I guess, I don't know anything about men, but like (laughs) the only people who learn to trust themselves can say those big yeses and know they're coming from a grounded, true place as opposed to, you know, making them out of fear, saying yes out of fear, saying yes out of pleasing, saying yes out of trying to meet somebody else's expectations, saying yes out of scarcity. Oh, 100%, 100%. This segment of Carla's Pantry Stories is presented to you by Panera's line of cafe-inspired grocery products. With the first day of fall this week, I get so excited to see the leaves changing, the air getting crisper, and I always look forward to and think back to my family's tradition of apple cider and the beginning of soup season. You know it's fall when you go to the farmer's market and apple cider is in abundance. The anticipation of heating up a cup with a cinnamon stick, it's overwhelming. And that's why Panera's autumn squash soup is perfect for a fall day. Pumpkin and butternut squash are blended with ginger, warm spices, and a hint of apple for an irresistibly sweet and savory spoonful. The flavor is so good, every bite transports me back to being in the kitchen with my granny as we're cooking together. There's so many different ways to enjoy these comforting fall flavors, like an unforgettable autumn squash bread pudding dessert with a dollop of whipped cream to cap off your meal. Try Panera's Autumn Squash Soup, available year-round at grocery retailers nationwide. And find recipes that feature the Autumn Squash Soup at PaneraAtHome.com. What is your relationship with the word failure or, or do you even use that word? I guess I don't use that word. What I can really tell you from my personal experience is that the times that I feel failure, that while it doesn't help me in the moment mm-hmm. because I can know things about the pattern of the world that don't help me in the moment. Okay. I still feel awful. I still feel like my world is over. I still feel like I'm going to die. But I trust the process now enough to know, or I know the process enough to know that when those moments happen, if I can stay with them, something amazing is going to happen. Uh-huh. That is always, always how it works. Especially like when I think about my career, whenever I make a big mistake online or like, like when I do something <laughs> dumbass or I say the wrong thing or like those moments, I hurt people. Like when I hurt, not when I offend people, when people tell me that I've offended them, that's fine with me. But like when people tell me I've hurt them, mm. that can take me out of the game. Like I'm talking fetal position, whole family worried about me, all of that. But what, what I also know about those moments are that there are ways to handle those moments in which they are failure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that they, they end at failure. 
and I see it happen all the time. I do it every once in a while. It's when you dig in your heels, when you don't take responsibility, when you don't try to learn the thing that that moment was there to teach you, even when it's embarrassing or hard, when you decide that those people are jerks who just told you that you hurt them and you shut down. Right. Yes. Yes. That I mean, ends in failure. That Always. ends in failure. So th- that's like the adventure for me. You've said yes. You have the adventure, and unless you acknowledge it, unless you are there for every single moment of that adventure, you will not grow. I think that's exactly right. And you have to feel the fiery embarrassment. You have to yes. feel the. It's just and 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 please tell me why it. I've gone through this process. I mean, I'm really good at making mistakes. And (laughs) like, like this is, this will never end for me, right? I know that about myself, but I don't know why I can't comfort myself in the moment. It still doesn't work is all I'm saying. Like, I I can't be like, but in this is just the time where everything sucks. And in a minute, it's going to be okay. Like it still has to hurt. But then there is like a pattern of once you get through the ego part, And the terror part where you feel like your life is over. And and I know that, you know, everyone doesn't have this experience in activism or or writing or whatever, but everyone has that experience in their job in some way or another, right? When you make a mistake or with a friend, when you hurt a a friend, or it's just this intense vulnerability when you hurt someone Yeah. where I think it is easier for people to just decide that that it's too painful and to shut it down as opposed to digging in deeper, diving in deeper, I would say. And just say, okay, tell me more. Right. As simple as that. A couple of stories in Untamed mentioned Trish, your daughter. I mean, there are so many beautiful stories, actually. And how sensitivity is her strength. Are there ways that you see your own sensitivity growing? Growing? Oh my God, if my sensitivity grows, I'm going <laughs> to actually die. <laughs> we can't have that. We cannot have that. I think that raising a super sensitive kid, it's not that my sensitivity is growing. It's that I've been able to reframe who I always thought that I was. I fell into food addiction when I was 10 and then that pretty quickly morphed into every other addiction. And so, you know, much of my conscious memory of life has been diagnoses and therapist's office and medication. And, you know, just, I just always was the crazy one. And back then we didn't have a lot of what we know now of consciousness in the mental health community where if there's a problem with a kid in a family, we kind of understand that the kid might be a canary in the coal mine and we bring in the whole family and we look for toxins in the air, right? Of the whole family. Back then it was very much, this kid has a problem, send her away. Mm-hmm. Which is hard for a kid to, to, to kind of develop her identity during that time. You know, I, I always wonder if each of us has kind of like a little shame belief that lies at the bottom of us, something that we usually accidentally learned as a kid about why we're not worthy. Uh-huh. You know, my wife, she was raised in the Catholic church and knew she was gay from day one. And her shame belief was always, I'm not loved by God. Right. Right. And that's a doozy of one. And so I, I do think that mine was, I'm crazy. Right. Even when Later in my life, you know, when I was got sober and had a job and had a family, I think at the when things hit the fan, I went there. Like, oh my god, I'm crazy. Can I trust myself? Right. Right? How can I trust myself to not sabotage my life or the life of my family? Because I, at the end of the day, we all know that I'm actually crazy, (laughs) right? So. So raising Tish though has been such an amazing experience because 
through her, I have been able to see a little bit about what I, uh, what I probably was like as a 10 year old, because actually I think that I was just a super sensitive kid and I didn't have any of the strategies or resources or skills that I needed to kind of manage that and figure out how to thrive and even use my sensitivity as strength. But what's so beautiful about that is that you question like why you of all people would have a child, but you went through all of that. So you know how to raise a child that's similar to you. Yeah. 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 And I've changed the narrative about my own self, which is so huge for me. I mean, why do you think like even being able to trust myself to say yes, with the love with Abby. Like, had I not been spending this time rearranging that narrative in my head instead of saying, oh no, Glennon, you're not crazy. I mean, that's why it was so important for me to have the tagline of Untamed to be, you're not crazy, you're a goddamn cheetah, mm-hmm. right? That was to myself, right? That was like undoing my deepest shame belief. It happens to work for all women because women tend to be gaslit by the entire world and told by everyone that they're crazy at one point oh. or another. One hundred percent. I mean, I can't. I can't even tell you how many times in working somebody says, "Well, you didn't take your meds today." Not that mm. if I needed meds, that's fine. But I, I, I wasn't taking meds. So why are you using that as a a shame place, right? Well, and Paula, think about how often somebody. Do you think that anyone's ever said to a man, "Have you taken your meds today?" I know. I've never heard that. I know. Ever. It's like if a man's upset, it, we assume there's something to be upset about. If a woman's upset, we assume that there's something wrong with her. <laughs> Right, right. Which is which a whole other thing. A whole other thing. Oh my gosh, we could talk a whole other thing about that. But uh, what I do want to talk to you about is how you write about God as being present inside of yourself, and and just this sense of knowing, which mm-hmm. I love, and I get that, and I I understand that so much. How would you describe your faith today? Mm-hmm. My favorite way to think about faith is. This thing I read in a book a long time ago, I think it's Scott Peck, but it it, it says faith is the belief in the unseen order of things. Mm. And what that means to me is that there is a visible order of things. That's just what we see in the material world, right? That's what we see in the news and in our families. And there's all kinds of brokenness and inequality and injustice. and, And there's something inside of us, regardless of religion or background or group that rejects that that can look at that kind of injustice and war and and inequality and say, that's not it, right? It was supposed to be more beautiful than that. And, And what that suggests to me is that we have something inside of us that knows better. And what that would be to me is the unseen order of things, right? It's like the vision that we each have of, of what, when we say the world should be more beautiful than this, what do we mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like the unseen order inside of me would be, okay, the world is a place where, you know, all children are fed, where there is no longer any war, where, you know, on and on and on this vision of what things could look like. And so to me, that's what every great spiritual leader is trying to say. Like, even though Christianity has been turned into something else by institutions and people who are hungry for power, what what the original message was, the kingdom is not out there, it's in here. And we're here to bring heaven to earth and heaven is inside of you. Okay. So what that would mean is we're trying to bring the unseen order inside of us to the material world heaven to earth. Yes. Invisible to visible, Mm -hmm. right? Like we are here to give birth to the vision inside of us that is saying, that's just pressing against us, 
supposed to be more beautiful than this. And so who I would consider my spiritual brothers and sisters has nothing to do, nothing anymore to do with what religion you say you are. What does mean something to me is tell me your unseen order of things. Let's see if it matches mine. (laughs) And then let's work together. And what you're saying is you've gotten rid of the dogma. Yet when you write no dogma, and when you are talking about religion and spirituality without that, there's a part of, there's a, there's a religious community though, who had rallied around you and, and how has that community played a role in transforming your life in the positive or the negative? Because as you, as you move toward this higher idea of religion, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't know. I've always been in this interesting place inside of faith, which is, you know, probably a decade before I fell in love with Abby, I had always been a progressive Christian. I guess that's what you would call it. Mm-hmm. I had been an outward staunch advocate for the LGBTQ community. So, you know, by the time Abby and I met, I'd been to more, or my kids had been to more gay pride parades than she has. And she's like the gayest gay that ever gayed. So there was never a, like, uh, it wasn't as, as scary, as scary for me as some people assume it would be when they think of my Christianity as like an evangelical Christianity. Mm -hmm. That was never the case for me. Right. So, I mean, I'll listen, there were whole, whole religious denominations and still are who will write think pieces about how I'm, you know, kicked out of their religion. Okay. I always feel like Kramer from Seinfeld when that happens. I'm like, fire me. I've never even worked here. Like, great. (laughs) I won't come to your party that I didn't ask to come to. Like, that's completely fine. But here's what I truly believe. I think there's a lot more progressive faith-based people than we know. And I think Mm -hmm. that they have been with me. And I think that they sometimes agree with me and they sometimes disagree with me. And that they also have wider ideas than the fundamentalists who are very loud uh, would have everyone else think. Nothing affects my whole day like an ill-fitting bra. Ugh. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor, Third Love. Third Love is just the best. They use the measurements of millions of women to design bras with all-day comfort and support. Over 15 million women have taken their online Fit Finder quiz to find their perfect fit, and I'm one of them. Yep, I took a quiz online about my girls, and it was the most fun I've had in weeks. Every third love bra is made with signature memory foam cups, no slip straps, and a scratch-free band. I'm wearing one right now, and it's so comfortable. And here's the best part. Third Love donates all of their gently used return bras to women in need, supporting charities in their local San Francisco Bay Area and across the United States. So far, they've donated over $20 million in bras. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering my listeners 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash Carla right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash Carla for 10% off today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I want to talk about what else is is a success, and that is Together Rising. Mm. Ah, such an amazing community that you've built through this organization. It's so impressive. How do you see supporters and donors interacting with each other? Interacting with each other. That's an interesting question. Mm. I feel like in some ways that's been a really important part of this time, this COVID time more than any other, Mm. is looking at how they are interacting with each other. I think we are in a time where things can seem pretty hopeless, where we watch the news and think, wow, does anybody give a shit? It can really start to feel like there aren't enough good people left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that has been interesting that the community at Together Rising having each other to look to as these are people who show up for the world. These are people who discuss hard things. These are people who will give up a little bit of comfort to do what is right. That is, I think, probably one of the best gifts of Together Rising during this time is just having other people to look to for hope. Yeah. And just building that net. I mean, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. And if there was a perfect time to build that, it was, it's for this, right? Yeah. Because we've always, you know, we've become known for our bigger projects, you know, like we are one of the leading organizations reuniting families at the border or same with the Syrian refugee crisis and really focusing on the LGBTQ teen homeless community in this country because it's the fastest growing homeless community. But really what we've always been committed to from the very beginning is just the one-on-one, you know, families, women write to us every single day for the last decade, just telling us, okay, I'm struggling to keep the lights on. I'm struggling to be like Mm -hmm. these little first responder, like I talked about, good in a crisis, right? Things. And so it's been interesting because, because that's always been our main focus it was kind of like we were building the ark before the flood, right? Like then COVID comes and, you know, the amount of people who are suddenly finding themselves in need in a way that they have never been used to being in need before. And we already have the systems in place. So it's been challenging. Our team hasn't slept a lot (laughs) for the last (laughs) six months. But also I would say that while the people are asked, you know, the asks, and the needs are greater than ever. So are the givers. Yeah, yeah. There's always a crazy uh, situation where we just always have enough. I'm always telling people, please come to us. I mean, listen, I'm a, a woman who survived because of the kindness of strangers. Like when you are an addict for as long as I was, you only make it because certain people who had no business showing up just showed up and was like, I'll help, you know? Paying it forward. Yes, that's what it means <laughs> to me, you know? And the best is when people who, you know, one year they come because they're like, I need help keeping food on the table this month. And then the next year they show up and they're like, okay, I have some extra now. The idea that we have in this country, which is so weird, that some people are, are givers and some mm-hmm. people are needers. I cannot stand that. Like actually, 
we are all in different seasons of our lives and sometimes yes. we might need, and then the next season we might be, we might give, and then the next season we might need again. And then the next, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. that's to me what I, my dream of together rising is what you said. And it's a net that you can be rest, you can rest inside of, or you can help carry at different mm-hmm. times in your life, but it's not an identity either way. Before we go, I want to, I want to share a segment with you on my podcast called Biscuit Time. Love it. So in real life, my, one of my favorite ways to get to know someone is to make biscuits with them. It's a real thing. Ugh. But these days, getting in front of a group is not really that easy. So I have a few short questions, kind of like a lightning round to ask. All right. Love it. Okay. Do it. If you could w- wake up tomorrow and be fluent in any language, what would it be? Spanish. No, nice. I know you you talk about your love of trash TV. Mm-hmm. So what's the next TV show or book you're excited to read or watch? Oh my God. I'm just so embarrassed with what came into my mind, but I know oh, there's please a new say episode. It, please say it. Okay. Um, I'm really into the, the Real Housewives of Potomac right now. I just okay. feel like they're really crushing it. Yeah. A uh, book, what I'm reading a book called Entitled right now about um, male privilege and they have introduced a concept to me called empathy, which I'm really in love with. The idea that we always feel sorry for men, no matter what they do. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm going to share something that's embarrassing. I've been reading Danica Dark. It's a series of uh, romance novels, but I'm love. <laughs> that's been love. my guilty pleasure. Writing it down. <laughs> okay. And can you also tell me what show you're watching next? I am watching The Floor is Lava. That is one of my guilty Ooh, pleasures. Writing yes. Yes, it is it's just mindless television. It is silly. And I heard people talk about it. I'm like, I'm not watching that show. And I'm watching it. And I love show. it. Yeah. Okay. And um, that's what'll be next for me too. Oh, this has been so much fun. I I love everything that you do and just so real and raw and Fearless, which I love. Carla, thank you so much. This is, I feel, God, did, were we just talking for an hour? It felt like 10 minutes. I know, I know. Oh my gosh, this has been so great. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye. For this week's ingredient, challenge yourself to do something different, like writing with your non dominant hand. Sometimes I will ask myself a question. I'm right handed. And I will ask myself a question, but I answer the question while writing with my left hand. Like I might ask myself, what am I grateful for right now? And I just let that answer flow through my left hand because I'm so focused with actually writing the words that the answer just flows from me. I'm telling you, it's challenging, it's crazy, but I want you to try it. From Wondery, this is Say Yes with Carla Hall. And remember, say yes, adventure follows, then growth. Subscribe on Spotify, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free. In the episode notes, you'll find some links and offers from our sponsors. By supporting them, you help us bring our shows for free. You can also help us by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Audio engineering and sound design by my man, Marcelino Vilpondo. 
produced by Megan Monaco and Julia Shu. Executive produced by Marshall Louis and Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Say Yes with Carla Hall ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Mm. Hey, welcome to Harvey Graw! At these family dinners... Delicious, everyone! Dysfunction is served. I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we embarrass you? It's already better than I dared to dream. They're extra. Let the wild rumpus start! And they're embarrassing. We know how hard it is to move on from the first girl that you ever slept with. Not the first girl who I ever slept with. Yeah, 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 right. You're a regular lady killer. I thought you said it was going to be boring here tonight. No! I really hope it would be. But they couldn't love each other more. It's mom and dad being totally normal. Wow. So, dinner next Friday, everyone? Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free, only on Freebie. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.